Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. All right, man. Episode 70. That's a big deal. 70. 70. I hope I live till I'm 70. You know, I was looking up just for curiosity. What is the anniversary gift for 70, 70th anniversary? And the gift is platinum. And so I, I have to wonder, Bob, did you get me anything platinum? Jimbo, I'm a replanner. I don't make enough to buy you anything platinum. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you did celebrate 70 yesterday with a Popeye's sandwich, didn't you? I did. You finally tried it. It was my very first, you know, and that's a recurring kind of bit that we do here. I was watching some football last night, and your Saints were taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to be rooting for the Saints. And I like Jimbo. Jimbo likes Popeye's chicken. This is how kind of my mind thought went. Mm -hmm. And we hadn't had supper yet. So I'm like, hey, Barb, I think I'm going to go get a Popeye's chicken sandwich. Do you want one? So I got the spicy. She got the classic. I get a little red beans and rice because that's what I do. And uh, she got the Cajun fries, one of the coleslaw, but of course they were out. And per your recommendation, we got some Mardi Gras mustard and Barb was a fan. And so I've got to tell you, the Popeye's chicken sandwich is different than the Chick-fil-A. It's different. So, you know, I don't know that you can make a straight comparison across parallel. Uh, it's just a different sandwich, but it's a good sandwich. I think I would go back and do it again. Yeah, absolutely. You, you're pretty much guaranteed when you go to Popeye's, they're going to be out of something. That, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they're that out of customer do. service all the time, Jimbo. <laughs> Always. That's just part of the New Orleans flair, the feel. It mm-hmm. gives you the feel of being in New Orleans when you when that happens. And so my kids have been noticing on TV, Wendy's has had this commercial that has said, we didn't start the chicken wars, but we finished it or we ended it or whatever. And so my kids have just had this idea constantly of, we, we got to try this chicken sandwich and see what it is. I just, I know enough. I've been around a little while, Bob, and I know enough that Wendy's is, Wendy's is not going to be able to fight in the same league as Chick-fil-A or Popeye's. Here's what I know. If Wendy strolls down to the ninth ward in NOLA, she's getting shot. <laughs> That's this what I know. True. This That's is true. That's what I know. So the kids said, we got to try this sandwich, Dad. So today, uh, there's a Wendy's, uh, a one-mile walk from my house. And so uh, we had a little free time today, and we made the one-mile walk down to Wendy's, tried the sandwich, and uh, the kids were so excited that they ordered. And Mags, the way to, the way that Mags ordered the sandwich, she said, "I want the chicken sandwich that ended the chicken wars." <laughs> Do the people laugh? She was no. She was just very confused. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think the lady was aware of the commercial. And so we got our chicken sandwiches. We tried them, and I was. Uh, not surprisingly, not impressed. It was like one huge Wendy's chicken nugget. And so, I mean, if you like Wendy's chicken nuggets, then you, you might like it. But it's the same breading uh, as a Wendy's chicken nugget. So I was not a fan. 
We got we to gotta move on to far more important things, Bob, as we continue to talk about the irreducible minimum. Let's do it. Maybe we need to set aside a whole other podcast where we just talk about our Yelp reviews in, in food. <laughs> I should read. Hey, you should read the last one that I wrote when I was in Tulsa. Go to uh, Bob Bickford and Yelp and uh, search up, uh, I think it's called Nevas. I'm usually a, a pretty good Yelper and, and am discriminatory in my selections, but uh, Nevas failed me and uh, Yelpers, other Yelpers who reviewed it, f- failed me as well. And so I let mm. them know as only a Yelp elite can do. There you go. There you go. You are elite. <laughs> All right. So today we're talking about the second irreducible minimum of preach the word. To go back, why are we talking about this? Ministry in 2020 and 2021 for at least for Westerners, Americans, has become perhaps more complicated than it has been, at least in a very long time, because there are so many things that are adding complications to it. Technology gives us a lot of great tools, but it also adds a lot to the plate of the lead pastor. And what we want to do when we talk about these irreducible minimums is is help you understand that you don't have to be a social media savant. You don't have to be an influencer online. You can do those things and you should try to figure out how your church is engaging technology. But ultimately, when it comes to pastoral ministry, there are some irreducible minimums that if you'll just make sure you're doing these things as well as you can within your current context, then that's that's the job. That's what you need to do. Last week, we talked about pursue first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so we want to move this week to preach the word. And to frame these, we are borrowing from the Air Force leadership model, PITO, P-I-T-O, personal, interpersonal, team, and organizationally. And so, Bob, when you think about preaching the word to yourself personally, what is what does that look like? What does that mean to preach the word personally? Well, I think a couple of things. One is I have to proclaim the gospel to myself, and that's one of the primary things in preaching the word is is what are you doing? You're proclaiming the gospel. So one of my theme verses, Colossians one twenty eight twenty nine one twenty eight says, "Him we proclaim." Right. So the first message of the church and those of us who are engaged in gospel ministry is the gospel and it's Jesus. And so what flows from that is as I'm preaching the word to myself, I'm preaching Jesus to myself, which the acknowledgement of Christ in my life means I'm a sinner saved by grace, not by works And it's all because of his mercy and his obedience and his death, burial, and resurrection that I have a life that can be lived in joy and in connection with the Father and in the fruitfulness of having a relationship with Christ. So I'm going to start there, right? And so I guess, Jimbo, one of the ways that it it makes a difference for me is when I'm preaching, my goal is not to design a message that everybody's going to be impressed with so that they will give me an attaboy on the way out or that my podcast numbers will soar. My goal is to proclaim Christ and in him alone. And so part of my personal preparation is preaching the word to myself. What is this? What is the passage I'm studying? What does it say to me 
personally before I start trying to apply it everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would echo that. You, you've got to let the word impact you before you can share it with others. I would also say, as you preach the word to yourself, make sure that you're not just studying the word just to be able to preach it, but that you are applying it personally into your life and that you are studying things that aren't for prep. You are in in your own life for your enrichment, diving into God's word, not for the purpose of teaching a Bible study or preaching a sermon, but for your own spiritual nourishment. And as you do that, make sure you do all the same things for preaching. You You observe the text, you interpret the text, and you apply the text that you're not just you're not just a hearer of the word or just a studier of the word, but a doer of the word that you would, John 15, abide in Christ and abide in his love and abide in his word. And so for personally, we move kind of outside of the, in the concentric circle of this leadership model into interpersonally. And so, Bob, what what does it look like to preach the word? interpersonally. You know, when when we're doing life with one another, we've hit on this the last time in in some of the conversations, discipleship, the most effective discipleship is in life discipleship in the context of everyday life. So in in similar ways, preaching the word is bringing the truth of God's word to bear in all of your interactions with other people, whether they need to be encouraged or exhorted or comforted or reminded, you're preaching the word helps them see how God's word and the truth of God's word intersects with their life. Yeah, I would say the the key to all of these is making disciples, right? Like we mm-hmm. we we've got to make sure that what we're doing in our lives and our ministry is resulting in the making of disciples. And so a, a, a way to do that is at, at the very least, if nothing else, this is one of the things I try to tell pastors often when they get really discouraged about what they're able to accomplish. At the very least, what you can do is you can disciple somebody. I mean, I, I, I really, I mean, if you would, if you gave your whole life to making sure that you were discipling people and in that you were equipping them to make disciples, it may not be a quick boil, but man, when you stand before the Lord one day, I bet you, you'll be surprised by the impact of God's ministry through you through interpersonally making disciples, but also at, at, at home with your family, preach the word. Now I don't necessarily mean drag your family in the living room and set up a pulpit <laughs> and scream at them. What, what? <laughs> Just scream at them with all the rest of that stuff gone. Right. <laughs> so when I first started at, at Redemption church, I was told that there was a Haitian church plant that used our facilities and, and so I thought, well, I'm going to go sit in one day. I mean, I'd love to hear what this Haitian church plants. So so we can partner with. And it's the guy and his family, and that's it. But, but Bob, he had the whole sound system set up, and he was yelling into that sound system as loud as he could and as hard as he could, just preaching hard. But, but it was just his wife and his kids sitting in there. And, and wow. I was Man, what a I thought what a what a childhood. Like what was church like with well, we would uh leave our house, <laughs> go to this fellowship hall, set up a sound system, and our dad would yell at us for 30 minutes. 
Now, I have a replanner. I've wondered sometimes when the service starts if there's going to be any more than my family there, right? So <laughs> yes. I, I can relate a little bit to that. But holy cow. Let me just ask you about what, what would you do? I mean, so say this Sunday you show up and it's, it's just you and Barb. Some of your kids showed up and it's just literally you, Barb, and your kids. What would you do? We're going to the Kalachi place. <laughs> we're, getting, <laughs> we're, we're getting out. It's like, well, I guess we're going to go get Kalachis. <laughs> how long until, how long did you wait till you'd call it? Five minutes. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so when we say preach the word to your, your wife and your kids, that's not what we mean. <laughs> no, no, you know, I, this makes me think of my grandpa and um, he was a circuit riding bivocational preacher who sold shoes and uh, we would all be in grandpa's living room, you know, all the cousins gathered there, maybe Christmas time, Thanksgiving time. You had to be careful, Jimbo, because if grandpa was talking to you, he caught your gaze didn't matter whatever you were talking about, somehow he was going to start preaching to you. And, and you had to be real careful because if you locked eyes with him, the rest of the family was going to let you take that as long as you could take it. <laughs> that reminds me of preach the word to your family. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, uh, I think you know what we mean when we say preach, preach the word to your family, live that out, lead your family, make sure you're leading your family well at home, but also uh, your team. And we talked about this last week. When we say team, we understand that a lot of these, a lot of you guys are going to be single staff pastors. And and you may think team, and I wish I had a team. And what we would encourage you with is that you you do have a team, right? You, you've got a team and your team in, involves those who lead Sunday school, those who lead worship, those who lead children's ministry. With that team, what does it look like, Bob, to, to lead the team through with preaching the word. Yeah, I just started this with our elders, training up a few of them to preach the word. And so uh, Monday morning, usually what I do is I'll read the passage for the coming weekend and I'll begin to outline it and put my thoughts together and those sorts of things. So one practical way, it's not the only way, but one practical way is, is I just start sharing my notes with those guys and saying, look, here's, here's what God's word, uh, here's the verse and the passage for the week here's my first glance through it. Here's what I'm taking from it and gleaning from it. And so I'm teaching them to, to read the word and outline it and look for key movements and phrases and concepts and those sorts of things. And so that's one aspect of, of preaching the word. Another is several of us have worship leaders and we have a, a worship leader at our church who has been with us for, I want to say about four and a half years now. He's a bivocational guy as well. Just a great guy. Love him to death. But in our conversations, too, when we're talking about our life, uh, a lot of times what happens is, and this is true for us as replanters, we bring the circumstances and the challenges of our life into ministry. So when we show up on Sunday, we may have had a really bad week with our kids. Maybe something significant happened. Maybe we got a parent issue, a health issue, something. And our staff and our team, our volunteers, same thing, right? And so one of the things that we have just built into our volunteer team culture is you got to be open and honest and transparent about how you're doing and where you are. And in the midst of that, you also have to realize that 
sometimes in life, it's hard to serve, but if you're only willing to serve from a place where everything is good and then you feel like you can serve, you're probably never going to serve. And so preaching the word in that kind of context to our team is reminding them that trials and and struggles are going to come, that Christ has overcome them, and that our confidence is not that our week is going to be better next week, but our confidence is in Christ. And so there are small five, six, 10-minute interactions that I have on a regular basis with all of our volunteers from time to time where I ask, how are you doing? How are things going? And, you know, we do a check-in, we pray together, that sort of thing. But it's also just remind listening as a pastor, but reminding them of the, of the sufficiency of God's word to remind us of who he is and what he's called us to do. So in that regard, it's it's not an official training time, you know, that we sit down with everybody and, and hey, let me preach this sermon to you before we preach it to the rest of the congregation. Jimbo, those are probably some of the more significant times when when I've seen God do some work in their lives and in my life in connecting my life with theirs as a pastor. I, I love that idea of engaging God's word communally uh, with your team. The only thing I would add that was so good is, um, and you said it, but I, one of the things I, I've worded it to our team, our elders was uh, everything we do, every decision we make has to be informed by God's word. Right. And so that means when we come to an elder meeting and we have a difference of opinions on how we are to approach some issue, uh, or we're trying to strategize or figure out how we're going to make our next move or something like that, um, it has to be a consult the Word of God first thing and, and, and let that speak to us. Um, and, and so I've said, so even for instance, you know, for us, uh, how, how we handled COVID, how we responded to it, because we had uh, some of our elders felt very strongly um, in, in one direction about restrictions with COVID and, and some other elders felt very strongly in, in another direction. And it was starting to even maybe at one point create some tension and issues in, in our leadership. And so we had a meeting where I reminded them, hey, every decision we make team has to be informed by God's word, not by our opinions, not by uh, our perspectives even, um, but by God's word. And so I realize there are some strong thoughts here and strong feelings. So here's, I I would love for you to express those. Uh, And so go ahead and express those. Just know that that doesn't have any bearing or weight on what we end up actually deciding to do as a team. Uh, Merely for therapeutic reasons, I want you to just say out loud what it is you think we ought to do in your opinion. And then let's move from opinions and let's, let's move to the word of God and let's see how does the word of God inform how we should respond to this. And so lastly, with just a couple minutes left, Bob, um, organizationally. So we've moved from personally leading ourselves by preaching the word to ourselves interpersonally through discipleship and in our homes to, to our teams, to our leaders and, and how we're leading the team. But then organizationally, as you lead the church as a whole, um, what we could, I mean, obviously we could talk a lot about the role of preaching the word there, but just give me one or two thoughts on the the role of preaching the word as you lead organizationally. Yeah, I think the, the big one Jimbo is, um, preaching expositionally, right. And you are, 
preaching through books of the Bible and the regular diet of, of God's word going through books of the Bible, passage by passage, pericope by pericope, those, it helps people study the word of God, right? And one of the things like last, last uh, Sunday, this past week, we were preaching through Mark 1, and uh, Jesus calls the disciples to follow him. And one of the one of the hallmarks of that passage in Mark, Mark is like the uh, cliff notes of the Gospels, right? It's just this abbreviation, abbreviated, like this happened and then this happened. And so you you miss some of the, the extra filler material. And honestly, Jimbo, for years and years, when, when I would read um, the passage where Jesus comes up to uh, Peter and Andrew and, and James and John, and he asks them to leave and follow him immediately. I, I Here's what I thought. I thought, okay, to date in Mark chapter one, from, from the first verse to that point, there's no explanation of, do these guys know Jesus? Have they ever heard of Jesus? Did Jesus just stroll up to the seashore and go, hey, um, follow me? And did they just bail out and leave, right? <laughs> so as a kid, that's what I always thought, right? It's like, how weird would that be? Like, you know, and how likely, like, let's say you're mowing your yard and some dude rolls up to you and says, follow me. And would you just leave everything, you know? So part of that is I, I fleshed that out with our congregation. I said, well, we need to look at John chapter one. And so in John chapter one, um, John the Baptist, Andrew was one of his disciples. Jesus is walking by. He says, behold the Lamb of God. And Andrew goes and gets his brother. Peter goes, hey, we think we found the Messiah. Like, let's, and they go spend the day with him. And it says, and they spent that day with him. And so personal conviction is, is you stud, they, they spend a day with Jesus. Then Jesus invited them to follow him after that day. And so they knew who he was. And John the Baptist had testified to who he was. And they all had grown up in Jewish religious instruction and expected the Messiah to show up one day. And so there's a whole context that is behind that. So in preaching the word of the congregation, one thing I said, it's a long way of saying this. I could have just said this, <laughs> what I'm going to say next, and we could have been done with all that. But um, I just simply said this, hey, whenever you read a passage in scripture and it's unclear, you always use scripture to interpret scripture, right? So that's that's preaching the word by preaching the whole word. Like, here's what this verse says, but let's expand this out and let's ask questions of it. And let's see if there's any other passage in scripture that illuminates it. And so in that regard, uh, you're teaching your church how to read scripture, how to ask questions, how to study, and how to use the rest of scripture to help uh, shed light on, on the passage that you're reading. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's so key, the the role of not just preaching uh, a sermon, but using that to teach people how to study the Bible as you preach the sermon. Preaching the Word and teaching people how to understand the Word of God is, is such an important thing uh, in, in what we do. And expository preaching, I think, lends itself to that more than other other forms of just preaching through a book of the Bible, because then you can say, hey, you, you know exactly where we're going to be next week. This is not a cliffhanger. This is not a, uh, what's he going to, what's he going to talk about next week? Uh, you know, and because I remember early on when I first started ministry, I had no idea about expository or hermeneutics or any of those things. And, and I remember, man, like a couple of months in looking, doing college ministry, looking at my wife and going, I think I've run out of 
things to talk about. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to do. And, uh, and so, so she says very wisely, she's a pastor's kid. And she goes, well, you know, my dad would just like pick a book of the Bible and just preach through it. And I was like, oh, well, that, that seems really easy. <laughs> yes. And, and it's not, it's not necessarily easier, but man, there's so much more. And, 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 you know, I, we may do a whole nother episode just on why you should do expository preaching. I think we should do a whole other episode on that. Yeah. Um, you know, after our Yelp episodes of, uh, <laughs> of all the all the places you should dine. Hey, man, um, I've got some hot sports opinions on all that too. So, I, you know what? I'm sure I, I I know that you do. I've read a lot of your your Yelp <laughs> your Yelp stuff. So, <laughs> hey, listen, we would love to hear from you guys, uh, our boot camp listeners. We really would. One of our favorite things to do on here is answer your questions and interact with you. And as a matter of fact, if you submit a question to us, we might even bring you on the episode and discuss it with you and get your perspective. Uh, and so if you'd like to be a guest on the Replant Bootcamp, man, just send us a word, send us a line, let us know what, what you're working through and how we can come alongside and discuss it with you. Uh, and so that we can bring you on the podcast with us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.